Again, want to just take a second and welcome you all to Bridge Church. God is good. Aaliyah Ewing is going to come up and share with us again. She's talking about today, it is a passion of hers, but it's also, it needs to be a passion of us as followers of Christ and what's going on in our world today and what's actually happening. And we got to open up our eyes to see what's happening. All right, so I don't want to take any more of Aaliyah's time, so I'm going to have her come forward and I'll let her tell you a little bit more about who she is because I want to screw that up. They have been, her and her husband Dylan have been a blessing since they've joined our church and started coming here. Um, words can't express the thankfulness we have for them. So yes, give her an applause this morning. She comes up. Seriously, thank you for everything. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be here, and thank you, Jean, for that. That was so kind. Um, we are so thankful that we got to become a part of this church and become members now. Um, so as Jean said, this is my second time talking here. I got to speak to you guys in October just about the basics of what is the core, what is the core of sex trafficking. And so today, I want to share with you some of the deeper realities of sex trafficking, specifically in Minnesota. And today, we don't have our clicker, so I need help from the back to switch slides, but it looks like they're handling something right now. Okay, thank you. So when we talked about what is sex trafficking, we talked about the AMP model, A-M-P. A stands for action, M stands for means, and P stands for purpose. So trafficking occurs when a trafficker takes an action of providing, obtaining, recruiting, inducing a target or a victim through the means of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of them having, or of having them ha do a labor or service or a commercial sex act. Then we talked about the three key elements involved in sex trafficking, which is the trafficker, the buyer, and the most important, the victim survivor. And then we talked about identifying the victim survivor and how you can't just be given a list of this is what a trafficking survivor looks like and then you can go out and find them and help them. It's a lot harder than that and we're going to talk more about that today. You could switch it. So first I wanted to share with you a little bit more of Rebecca Bender's story and I talked a little bit about her last time and how she was trafficked from Oregon to Las Vegas and I think this video shows you a little bit more insight into what a person might be going through or what they might be thinking before they get into sex trafficking. So I think you should be able to click right on the video. There's a saying that says if you take a child by a hand, you take the mother by the heart. And I 
graduated with an FNM with about six months of dating, and I was really excited. And I brought her down to Southern Oregon to meet my family, and everything seemed fine until we arrived in Las Vegas. He said we were moving there because that was the entertainment capital of the world, and being a record producer, and having uh, a band that that's where they could get the most gigs and the most jobs, and that's where his job would be with him. So I got to leave long story with him, to be with them, and so the family that that he got to He pulled up to an escort service, and he said, this is how it works in Vegas. I spent a lot of money to get you here. And the person outside the apartment, So I hope through that video, you were able to see a little bit more of the mindset that somebody might be in before they get into the life and how she didn't even realize that's what was happening. Um, can go to the next slide. So Rebecca Bender started the Rebecca Bender Initiative, which is an anti-trafficking organization. And as part of that, about maybe two years ago, she started Elevate Academy. And as part of that, she had a web series. It was about 12 episodes, 12 trafficking myths. And she had different guests on each episode. And I wanted to share some myths with you today because an important part in the fight against human trafficking is expelling these myths because they are detrimental to the fight against it. So the first myth that I wanted to share with you is that most trafficking victims are kidnapped and held captive. That's true in some cases, but that is the minority of trafficking cases. Most likely, it's not gonna look like somebody chained up in a room, maybe with the door locked without a proper bathroom. Um, it's gonna look a lot different. So there was an officer on this episode and he had worked for 12 years on a human trafficking task force. And not one time in 12 years did he come across a kidnapped case of trafficking. Fewer than 10% of missing children cases involve sex trafficking. That means somebody is being trafficked by somebody they know, like a family member, a boyfriend or girlfriend, or a friend. And you can go to the next one. So this means we have to be aware. Being aware of 
and focusing on the ways in which traffickers gradually lure their victims is critical in recognizing and even preventing situations of sex trafficking. So we need to be aware that somebody is probably not going to be kidnapped to end up in the life. Significant danger is that twisted tales of trafficking misdirect the attention of families and communities like this one away from the realities of how sex trafficking actually happens in a majority of cases. So we need to be aware of these sensational stories, and there's a lot of them out there. And one of them is that somehow this number started floating around that there's 800,000 missing children in the U.S. at any given time. And I don't know if any of you have heard that before. Apparently, it's pretty common. The number that I had heard was 400,000, and that's also false. The truth is 25 to 29,000 children go missing in the U.S. each year. 90% of those children are recovered within the first one to six weeks of going missing. And then when you put that together with less than 10% of kidnapping cases involve sex trafficking. That shows you how much if somebody's being trafficked, it's not going to be through kidnapping. You can go to the next one. The next myth that I wanted to share with you is trafficking only happens in other countries. And you may be saying, well, yeah, we already know that. You know, it's being talked about more. But the thing is, it will also look different in different places. So it looks different in the United States than maybe in other countries. And it could look different specifically in Minnesota compared to other places. The reality is that sex trafficking is the fastest growing criminal industry in the United States today. And an example I have for you of how common it is, is that I used to work in a domestic violence shelter. And the shelter advocates put up profiles in the dining room so that if the residents wanted to know us better, they could read the profiles. And under what do I want to be when I grow up, I wrote sex trafficking advocate. And I would actually frequently get women coming up to me to just talk to me about it. And they would usually ask, you know, why? Or maybe we'd start talking about it a little bit. And it was pretty common that they would then disclose to me that they had been through trafficking, that somebody they know, like a family member or a friend, was either currently going through it or had been through it. So in Minnesota, it is more common than you think. You can go to the next one. This means we need to protect our children. And we need to know how traffickers might actually be targeting them. They're not just targeting kids with their biological parents and nuclear families, or in foster homes. They are targeting kids and biological families. Um, kids are being recruited at school and trafficked until their parents get home from work. Traffickers are great at adapting to change. So you can bet as soon as COVID hit, everybody was, or any trafficker that was trafficking in person, and luring victims in person, now switched to apps and online websites. And that's how they were luring their victims. Not only that, but brothels have adapted. And in today's time, brothels look like party houses. And in those party houses, there are a lot of drugs. Because traffickers are using drugs now, more than ever before, to lure and trap their victims. And you can go to the next one. So the last trafficking myth that I wanted to share with you, and this one grinds my gears, is that nobody I know would buy sex. There are enough true crime TV shows, true crime podcasts, true crime YouTube channels. We've all heard true crime stories before. And how many times have you heard somebody say, I know that person, they would never do that. Even if all the evidence 
is pointing to one person, or all the victims are pointing to one person, and you'll still get people saying, I know that person, they would never do that. It is so easy to be one person to you and another person to somebody else. And if you're familiar with domestic violence, that is the case a lot of the time, where let's say mom or dad is the abuser, and they're your friend. And whenever you're with them, you're having a great time with them. You think they're a great person. But their kids know a whole different story because they can be different with their kids. They don't have any repercussions then, right? But they can be a different person to you then. Some buyers, they may not know the girls don't want to be there or the victims don't want to be there, right? Okay, sure. But what is the buyer ignoring in their surroundings from the person that they gave money to from the victim now that's gonna be exploited, what are they ignoring to truly believe that? In this episode of Trafficking Myths, Rebecca had a guest by the name of Tony Perez, and he is the CEO and founder of the Epic Project. One of its functions, it's an anti-trafficking organization, and one of its functions is a call center for sex buyers, so they can talk about their problem, maybe they wanna get help. And he said, a lot of buyers who are exposed say, I haven't done this before but Epic can see six previous calls from the same buyer. And you can switch to the next one. Another thing to note is that sex buyers have groups and forums online. And the buyers that are on these forums are most likely the ones that are buying repeatedly. So to know how traffickers might lure their victims, you need to know that there are different types of traffickers. The first one is the Romeo pimp. And just like the name, this one will lure their victims with love and affection. And maybe they're showing that through compliments, through PDA, through showing affection to your child as well. These types of pimps are the most likely to get emotionally attached to their victim. So imagine what happens when that victim tries to leave. Then we have the CEO pimp. And this pimp, like it says here, views exploitation as a business and people as commodities. And they're gonna lure in targets and victims with a lavish lifestyle, a nice luxury home, luxury car. They're probably gonna bring you to nice restaurants and pick up the tab, really wow you, saying, you know, you could have this too, right? Because who they are going to target are usually younger women who are probably aspirational about maybe becoming a model or maybe becoming an actress or something like that, which we saw a lot with the R. Kelly case. Then the last, we have the gorilla pimp. And this pimp, plain and simple, uses violence, aggression, intimidation to keep their victims in line. So if you're worried about a child being kidnapped or somebody you know being kidnapped, that's most likely the type of trafficker that is going to kidnap them. Because how are they going to lure somebody in with violence? And you can switch to the next one. Something to note is that a trafficker might not be just one of those, but they can be all three of those at the same time. So what about Minnesota? And where does Minnesota fare in the world of sex trafficking? In 2015, Minnesota had the third highest number of human trafficking cases. So I just wanna share with you a few more facts so you kind of understand how it's happening in Minnesota. The FBI identified the Twin Cities as one of 13 US cities with a particularly high instance rate of child prostitution. The Minnesota Attorney General's Office states on its website 
that Minneapolis specifically is one of the top locations in the U.S. for child sex trafficking, and that trafficking affects people from all parts of Minnesota. In at least 82% of juvenile cases and 92% of adult cases in Hennepin and Ramsey counties from 2012 to about the end of 2016, sex buyers entered the market through Backpage.com and other online media. In that same study, in Hennepin and Ramsey counties from 2016 to about the end, or from 2012 to about the end of 2016, in more than 70% of juvenile and adult cases tried, the trafficker was an acquaintance, a friend, a so-called boyfriend, or a family member of the victim. About 26,000 men across the state of Minnesota buy sex annually. And you can switch to the next one. That's according to a Lutheran social service study. Keep in mind that the average lifespan of someone after entering the life is seven years. So that's less than a decade. Common ways that traffickers are going to target victims in Minnesota are through apps like Meet Me, Whisper, TikTok. Instagram and Facebook have messaging services. Many video games have messaging services. Websites such as Backpage.com, Craigslist, OnlyFans, sex trafficking has been found in all of those places, as well as students exploiting fellow students. So as I was looking up different cases to talk about for this speech, I came across a case of two cheerleaders, cheerleader A and cheerleader B. Cheerleader A was trafficking cheerleader B, and there was another student mastermind. Cheerleader B had developmental delays. The first time cheerleader A brought cheerleader B to a buyer, somehow, we don't know how, the cheerleader was able to get out of it. By the next time, pictures had been posted of her online as an ad. This time, cheerleader B wasn't able to get out of it. Once they had cheerleader A and the mastermind also behind it in custody, they asked the mastermind, what was driving you to do this? You know, what was your reason? And the person said, money and a pair of Air Jordans. So where are kids learning or who are kids learning this from that they would value material items, money and a pair of shoes over another person's life? Some statistics specific for Minnesota coming from the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which is the best place that we can get statistics right now. 356 contacts made in 2020, 86 reported human trafficking cases. And you may be saying, Aaliyah, you've thrown some big numbers at me, so what are these small numbers? Well, if you remember that sex trafficking is the fastest growing criminal industry in the United States, in that 26,000 men across the state of Minnesota buy sex annually. This shows you how underreported sex trafficking is, human trafficking in general. And that trafficking is a hidden crime, like I shared with you last time. Top venues and industries for sex trafficking in Minnesota, they were listed in order. Number one, pornography. If somebody is being trafficked in Minnesota, that's the most likely place that they're going to be trafficked. Escort services was number two. Other venues was number three. And number four was hotels and motels. And you can switch to the next one. So I just want to share with you some cases of what you might be seeing sex trafficking happen in Minnesota. And these ones are adult cases. So in Roseville, Minnesota, 
in November of 2021. Police witnessed three girls being sold out of three different hotel rooms. They noticed two of those girls being picked up in an SUV one day and the third girl being picked up in an SUV the next day, the same SUV with the same driver. Once they had the driver in custody, he said that he had been hired to drive the girls from the airport to hotels and back. He took the money from the girls and would give it to another man, who I'm guessing was the trafficker, and I'm guessing they were at the airport to make sure those girls weren't talking to anybody that they shouldn't be talking to. It was found out that those girls were from a city in New York that was known for large criminal organizations, organizations which engage in sex trafficking of such women. And that's how the article described the women. Published in February 2021, St. Cloud, Minnesota, the Central Minnesota Human Trafficking Task Force investigated a man and a woman for two months. The Alexandria man was arrested for bringing the woman to St. Cloud hotels and motels to be trafficked. Now, the woman claimed that they lived together, they were in a relationship in Alexandria, and that she only gave massages. When they got her phone and they went through it, it was found that her cash app was linked to a bank account under the man's name. St. Cloud police are pretty good about knowing the victim services that are around here, and they offered victim services to this woman. And the woman denied them. And if you're thinking, that's crazy, why would she do that? That's what's going to happen most of the time if you go up and try to offer victim services to a trafficking survivor. And you can go to the next one. So encountering a survivor, what are we supposed to do then, right? They've probably, or most likely, been groomed or brainwashed, okay? So they've probably been brainwashed into mistrusting the police. And when in 2022, there are still some places where sex trafficking victims will be charged with prostitution, it's not hard to believe that a victim wouldn't want to speak to the police. Not only that, but they probably had it ingrained into their brain that if they do talk to other people that they're not allowed to talk to, that aren't their trafficker or a buyer, they're going to get in trouble and they're going to incur some kind of punishment. In some cases, the people being trafficked by the same trafficker aren't allowed to talk to each other. So you can go to the next one. So rescuing and restoring victim survivors, how do we do that? Well, rescuing is a whole nother story. And that's something that if you want to do that, there are different places you can get involved in. But most likely, if you're encountering a survivor, you're going to be wanting to help restore them. So what do they need? First and foremost, they need you to go at their place. Remember that the unknown is scarier than the known. So they know this world. They know what's going to happen when they encounter a buyer. They know what's going to happen if they do this or that and what their trafficker or how they will respond. But over here, how do they know they're going to have a place to live? Or maybe even somebody that cares about them, right? Because the trafficker cares about them a little bit. Are they going to have people that help them? What are they going to do? That's all questionable. As well as they'll have, they've been groomed. So now they have to get used to regular life. They have to figure out what they've been told that's actually true and what isn't true. So they need you to go at their pace. Next, you need to follow their lead. Be patient and respect their choices. Because a trafficker may be out of the life, or a victim may be out of the life. Maybe they've been out for a few weeks, a few months, a year. And maybe they've even gotten sober if they needed to. And all of a sudden, they're back in the life. And you're just pulling your hair out. You're so frustrated. Why? Why did they choose that? They had all this going for them. 
and you could see how much they had going for them, but you don't know what's happening in their mind because you don't know what they've been through. And truly, only survivors will know and can relate. So you need to respect their choices because the next time that they want to leave, are they going to come to you? If you've been pushy and you've been frustrated or maybe mean, just taking out your frustration, most likely not. So you just need to be there. And then remember that they are most likely going to need treatment. Healing from abuse is a process with no end date. Healing from slavery is a lifelong process and they will need more than just mental treatment. It is not uncommon for survivors to have anxiety, depression, PTSD, many more. It's also not uncommon for survivors to have a chronic neck or chronic hip pain or hip injury, chronic back pain or back injury, chronic neck pain or neck injury, and these are things that they're going to need for the rest of their life. And they're going to cost money for the rest of their life. So Besides patience, one of the things they need the most is our generosity, whether that's with money or our time or energy. And you can go to the next one. You can't ignore it, and you can't pretend it's not real. And the reason I say that is because still today, in 2022, you will have people choosing not to believe that it's real just because it sounds so far-fetched, or it sounds like it's so horrible, how could this actually be happening? And the more people decide to do that, what's happening to the victims that are, that are being perpetrated by maybe some of the same people? They're going to be forgotten if we're all turning our backs and deciding to, or choosing to believe it's not real. Jean reminds us very frequently that we may be the only representation of God's love that somebody gets to see in their life. And we need to be that for trafficking survivors. Even though you may not agree with their decisions, we need to be there to support them. So, oh yeah, you can go to the next one. January is Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. January 11th is Sex Trafficking Awareness Day. I believe that's Tuesday. You can wear blue if you want to be a part of that. Uh, Jean was talking about Terebinth Refuge. I shared a little bit about them last time. They are a sex trafficking safe house located in St. Cloud. It's the closest one around here. They have volunteer opportunities, maybe internships and different things. If you want to get involved with them, they're closer. I made a little infographic that has um, more places listed specifically in Minnesota that if you want to get involved, you can go to their website and find out how. But more so than that, if you're not comfortable or maybe it's not your thing, to get involved hands-on, even just spreading awareness of what you've learned. Or maybe if you're talking to somebody and they say something that's actually a myth and you tell them it's not true and tell them the truth, that is so helpful in the fight against sex trafficking. And I learned while I was in trainings for public speaking not to end a speech with thank you. But truly, that is how I feel when people take the time to listen and educate themselves on sex trafficking. So thank you for taking the time today. So dear Lord, thank you that the battle of sex trafficking, just like the song says that we sang this morning, the battle belongs to you. So we don't need to be overcome with just overwhelmed with feelings of sadness or how can we help because we know that you're going to take care of it and we can be your hands and feet to help it come to an end. Thank you so much for these people that took the time 
to learn more today and please put it on their hearts to help in whatever way they can, whether that's educating and spreading more awareness or giving their time and generosity and their energy. Thank you for coming in or for being in this place today with all of us and for showing us your love. And now we can take that and show that to others as well. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>